So if you would, I'd encourage you to open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 24. We're going to look at two verses, 14 and 15. And there is not a Bible app event for this message. Do you know why? Christmas. (laughs) That was my Christmas present to myself last night about 10 o'clock or whatever time it was when I was finishing up writing this message. I thought, Christmas, I'm just not going to make a Bible app event. So you know what we have, though? We have the Bible, and we're only looking at two verses of it. I think you'll be okay, right? I think we all will. You have probably heard someone say somewhere along the way that we are the sum of our experiences. Have you heard that sentence? I was looking for the source of that statement, and you know who said it? A whole bunch of people. I I couldn't find one definitive, here's who said that first kind of statement. A bunch of people said it, and I think all of them are wrong. All of them are wrong. That's just my opinion. Um, We are not the sum total of our experiences. I don't believe that I am, but I am in a large part, the product of my reaction to those experiences. I am the product of the choices that I have made. C.S. Lewis once said, in a book called Mere Christianity, hey, Saturday morning guys, someday the preacher's gonna say, in Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis said, and you're gonna say, I read that. I read that, right? C.S. Lewis once said in Mere Christianity that every time you make a choice, you're turning a central part of you. Part of you that chooses, you're turning it into something different than it was before. You're turning your whole person into someone different than you were with every choice. Choices are important. Now, you really can't be strong-armed into making a choice. Have you noticed that? Because as soon as you're strong-armed, then you're not making a choice anymore. Someone else is making it for you. A choice is something you make that you're responsible to make and you're responsible for. It lays right on your own shoulders. A few years ago, I was called upon to participate in a surprise anniversary party for some friends, a pastor and his wife. It was a surprise, a complete surprise to them. They were told we were going out with some friends and they should dress nicely. They didn't know where they were going. They didn't know who would be there. They didn't know what was planned. My role in this event was to help them renew their wedding vows that they had made those decades ago. So I put a ceremony together and prepared to do it. I want you to think about that for a minute. The two of them didn't know this was happening. And so they entered this building into this large room that was filled with friends and family and food and drink and decoration and music and lights and one of those little arbors or wedding arches, and a pastor as well to renew their wedding vows. And when it came time, we gathered together under the arch, under that wedding arbor, and I had them make several promises before God and this company. Let me give you the condensed version. Do you promise to let bygones be bygones? Do you forgive once and for all all the offenses of the past? And do you release one another from grudges that you may have been holding, promising never to bring that up again? If so, please answer, we do. Do you promise to fulfill your God-given roles in marriage? Do you commit to help your mate feel from you the kind of love that you feel and the kind of security that you feel from Jesus Christ, your Lord? If so, please answer, we do. Do you promise to protect your marriage from danger? 
Do you promise to set aside things that might harm your marriage no matter how much you like them? If so, please answer, we do. Do you promise to choose to love for better, for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, until death do you part? If so, please answer, we do. It's a pretty cool wedding ceremony. Probably a little more than the person who asked me to do it expected that I would do. And a couple, they were happy to participate. It was a blessed event. They went right along with it with open hearts. I got to thinking later on. (laughs) What if they were not in a good place in their marriage that night? That would have been awkward, right? What if their marriage had been on the ropes? What if they had been considering terminating their marriage and here they are in front of family and friends and God and his pastor? Awkward is way too soft a word for what that would have been like. That was not the case. But when I think of that, I'm reminded that choices, the promises we make, they have meaning and they are up to us to make or not to make. They are up to us to keep or not to keep. They're up to us to live or to ignore. And choices actually direct our journey. The passage of scripture I've chosen today is one in which someone is making a choice. He has decided what he's going to do. He's made a pledge, a promise, and he's encouraging those around him to do the same thing. We're going to read that encouragement in a couple minutes. But let me fill you in on the biblical story of what's happening. This is a story of a man named Joshua in Joshua 24. And he kind of spends some of that chapter recounting the past. In fact, the first dozen or so verses, that is what he's doing. He's saying, here's what's happened in the past. So he's telling stories like the stories you probably learned in Sunday school or maybe things you've read in scripture or heard along the way. He's recounting the journey that these people, the people of God, have been on. And he speaks of how their journey took them out of a dark place. Abraham was called out of Ur, the Chaldees, and we think, yeah, that's a place where they worshipped idols. That's bad. But actually, it was worse than that. Ur, the Chaldees, was nowhere that you wanted to raise your family. Not at all. And God delivered them, called them out of there. That journey took them to Canaan, and then eventually it took them down to Egypt, which was a really good thing, because everyone was starving to death. There was a worldwide famine, and had God not provided for them by taking them to Egypt, where their own brother had set aside food for anyone who came to Egypt. If that hadn't happened, that would have been the end of those people. But God preserved them in a time of famine. Sadly, their journey took them into slavery. Because as they were in Egypt for that long time, eventually the Pharaoh that knew them and showed them favor, he was gone and a new Pharaoh came who didn't know Joseph and they became Egypt's labor force. And it was hard labor. They were treated harshly. But God was with them. And so in time, God called Moses and Moses journeyed them out of Egypt to freedom away from Egypt, into a place that was a land flowing with milk and honey. That's kind of amazing, right? And there they got there. They were at Kadesh Barnea. They were looking into the land, and there 
their journey took a bad turn. Because when they were looking into the land, they sent some spies into the land, and some of the spies came back and said, yeah, we can't beat up those people. We better just go somewhere else, because that's a bad place to go. They had journeyed into fear. And so for 40 years, a generation, they walked around in the desert. They had been following God, receiving goodness from God right along, and, and then God takes them to the threshold of the promised land. And for some reason, they turn away. They stop trusting him. That happens probably more often than we would like to admit, not just to them, perhaps to us. Finally, a generation later, they journey into that promised land, and it is given to them. The person who led them on that journey, the person who was leading them, is the guy who's making the pledge, the promise. Today, his name is Joshua. He was the, he was the one who helped them take the promised land. And this is kind of his farewell speech in chapter 24. Kind of a swan song, if you want to think of that. And he's leading them to make a choice regarding what is ahead of them based on what is behind them in their journey. We're just going to read two verses. Joshua 24, chapter um, verses 14 and 15. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose. Choose for yourself this day who you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. That is for me and my household. We will serve the Lord. As we think about this passage You can't help but see that your journey is comprised of choices. In fact, you cannot go on a journey without making a choice to do it. I guess that song from the 70s was right. If you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. I think my voice is as good as his. (laughs) Right? If you choose not to decide, you still made a choice. You, You can't help but make a choice. You cannot journey without making choices. And those choices are a huge part of who you're becoming. So it'd be wise to take a look at your journey. Because on a flip side, your journey actually does influence the choices you make. And that's right, it should. You will react and respond to your journey's experiences. And your rational thought regarding those experiences should play a factor in your decision-making process. So let's take a moment. Let's kind of do that right now, okay? What has happened to you, to your family, in the past year, the past couple years, the past decade, the past couple decades? What has your journey been like? Maybe it's been easy. (laughs) Maybe it's been very frustrating. You know, who hasn't been frustrated with the state of our world these days? How would a thoughtless choice in response to that frustration, how would a thoughtless choice affect the path you find yourself on in 2022? I mean, if just in your frustration, you just reacted without thinking about it, what would 2022 look like? 
Maybe your journey has been inspiring over the past couple of years, or maybe it's just been disillusioning, you know? Many people have said to me, when I say many, I'm talking about a dozen or so, have said to me privately, Pastor Steve, it is so hard for me to see people I've respected all my life behaving shamefully and disrespectfully. Okay, so if you kind of feel that way, how will the way you respond to that disillusionment shape your path in the future? I mean, if you just let the gut response happen, what will your future look like? Maybe your journey has brought you a lot of security, or maybe your journey has been a little bit scary. Maybe it included health concerns, financial worries, societal concerns. How will you respond to that, and how will the response you make to these frightening things shape the future of your journey? One more. Maybe your journey has been carefree. I want to talk to you if you're that guy. Or maybe it's been painful. Maybe you have suffered fractured friendships over differing opinions on matters that seem so important right now, but 20 years from now will seem really trivial. Yet the fracture may well remain. It will really depend on the choice you make. What would the default choice the one you would automatically make without even thinking, where would that choice take you in terms of relationships? Do you see the importance of choices? Do you see how essential it is that you give your attention to choices, that you think about them? That is what I believe that Joshua wants his people to do. Think about what you're going to do at this particular juncture. And one of the things he wants them to do is to act sensibly and choose sensibly. Now, that might seem silly. (laughs) Well, of course he wants you to act sensibly. We all know we should act sensibly. Yeah, it does sound silly, but I have seen people make choices that make no sense at all. I've been one of them. (laughs) I mean, do do, do you ever do the poem? Oh, what was I thinking? Whenever you're thinking that way, it's because you realize I did not act sensibly. I didn't think about what I was doing here. Look at verse 15. In the start of it, it says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day who you will serve. Now, remember Joshua for the past dozen verses or so has been telling them of the blessings and the benefits that God has done for them, all the way from bringing Abram out of Ur of the Chaldees, that was no place to raise a family. And God pulled you out of there all the way up to the promised land flowing with milk and honey. Look at what God has done for you, these blessings he's done for you. And you could almost read Joshua as being a little sarcastic, which I really like because I really like sarcasm when I'm the one dishing it out. (laughs) And think about it. You guys, God has done a ton of stuff for you. Follow him, unless that seems like a dumb idea. That's kind of what he's saying here. Think about it. So it would be a good idea for you and me to think about God's involvement in our journeys up to this point. 
And if devoting your heart to God seems foolish, well, okay then. (laughs) Okay then. You can make that choice. Doesn't make sense though. God has been good to you on your journey. He's been good to me on my journey, despite the fact that I give him very little reason to be good to me. He still is. That's because he's merciful (laughs) and because he's gracious. It is so sensible for us to devote our heart to him. Joshua would say, act sensibly. And I think he would say, act honorably. Please, thank you. You teach your children to say those things because it reflects honor when they do that. And don't you find it embarrassing when your child forgets to do that? It's Christmas Day. Uncle Jed shows up with his present. <laughs> he gives it to your kid. And your kid just goes, blow him right off and play with everybody. Go, hey, hey get, get back here. Get back here. You're embarrassing me. Would you go tell him thank you? Tell him thank you because it's so embarrassing to me. We all do that, right? We have that thing. Go- I have that thing going on when my kids were small, right? Because we want our children to act honorably. And if you don't say thank you, more, more accurately, if you don't have a heart of gratitude, which Eric prayed that we would have today, if you don't have a heart of gratitude, where is the honor in that? This is part of what Joshua is asking of the people of God. He recounts all those Stories of how, not all of them, but many of the stories of how God has blessed them. And he asked, what choices in your life's journey ahead will show honor to God and show that you hold him in honor? How can you behave honorably? Are you going to do the things that he mentions in verse 14? Are you going to throw out the things that don't honor God? And are you going to respect him with your life? And are you going to serve him with faithfulness? Will you act in honor? Will I? act in honor? Will we act in honor? I mean, looking back over your journey, what is the honorable path for you to follow in 2022? How will you move forward? What will be different about you as you enter 2022, these weeks, months that are ahead of us? For me, I just want to find the honor to devote my heart to God and live honorably. Along with this, Joshua would probably tell us to act respectfully. It's very similar, isn't it? Honor and respect, very similar. This is what he's doing when at the end of verse 15, he says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It would be disrespectful to do anything otherwise. Hmm. First words of verse 15, but if serving the Lord is undesirable to you, there's no honor in that. None, None at all. There's no respect being shown in that. Act respectfully. You know, when I'm in a place, you know, at a fair, at a concert, at a football game, and they play the national anthem, I stop whatever I'm doing. And I stand up. And I look around. Is there a flag around? Because I want to look at it. And I put, take off my hat. I usually put it on my heart, not always. And I stand respectfully at attention. I do this because although I see problems in our country and always have seen them, I do it because I am grateful to the men and women who worked, who fought, who died to make 
this a good place to live? If I have that respect toward them, how much more should I respect my maker and redeemer who died for me? And it's not just a matter of removing my hat, putting it over my chest for Jesus. It's a matter of consistently asking myself, is what I'm choosing now showing respect for the one who carried me this far on the journey? Am I showing respect for him? (laughs) What choices can I make? Sensibly, honorably, respectfully. What choices will you make in the journey ahead? Joshua kind of gives us, just in these couple verses, a little direction to move on. I mean, right at the beginning of verse 14, his first phrase there is, now fear the Lord. We want to make choices that have an intentional reverence to them about God. Let me talk to you for just a second about what it means to fear the Lord. A good father doesn't want his children to cower in fear and to grovel. There are individuals who want their children to do that. They are not good fathers, good mothers. And that is not what Joshua is advocating at all. A good father wants his children to give him respect, namely, namely, in their attention and their honor toward him. Attention. You know, the D in ADD is deficit. I feel like I got the big D on the ADD thing, right? Attention deficit. It is hard to give attention to things. My wife and I are sitting here watching a Hallmark movie, and I'm on my cell phone doing something else, and she'll say, did you see that? That was so beautiful. No, because I wasn't giving my attention. Worse. My wife will be speaking to me. Huh? (laughs) I had a third illustration, but I think you got the point there, right? Attention is hard to give. It's hard to get. As a pastor, I feel it all the time. How do I get get you to pay attention in a sermon? You know why I sing? Two reasons. One, to make Drew mad. (laughs) But the other is just to keep you awake so you pay attention. How do I get your attention? When I so desperately want to remind you of Christ's presence when you are struggling to make it, how do I get your attention? How do I turn your head away from the tinsel toward the cradle, toward the sable? How do I get your attention? I can't. I can try some things. You know that uh, McDonald boy, (laughs) Evan, he is out in the hallway a couple weeks ago with a deck of cards. How many saw him? Yeah. He said, pick a card, any card. This little kid there, I'm like, ah, oh, buddy, I've seen this trick before. Yeah, I picked a card. He said, put it back anywhere. I put it back. He flips over a card and says, is that your card? I said, that was my card. That was my card. But then I remembered TV magic cards. I had them when I was a kid. It's a jack of hearts. It was a little bit bigger than every other card. Odds were you were going to take that one. And it was in there. Every other card in the deck was the jack of hearts. Now the odds are really high. So we get home and Laurel said, did you see Evan's magic trick? 
I said, uh, yeah. I said, I know how you did that. Every card, every other card is the card you picked. I said, you picked the jack of hearts, right, honey? And she said, nope, it was a nine of diamonds. I'm like, what in the world? I don't know how that kid did that. I could do that, right? I could do card tricks maybe and get your attention. I could stand on my head. I could eat my lunch on the roof. But you know what? Even that, I cannot forcibly get your attention. You, you, you are the one who chooses to give attention to the things of God or not. And frankly, I don't want you to give attention to me. I want you to give attention to him and what he might have to say to you. And only you can turn your attention to God. Only you can choose to look back at the journey and determine in your heart to reverence the God who brought you this far. And that's what it means to fear the Lord. Pay attention when I'm talking to you, boy. Fear the Lord. That's kind of funny. When I said pay attention when I'm talking to you, boy, someone over on this side was like this and they went like... Choose to revere God intentionally. Choose to have a heart of gratitude in the journey. You know, gratitude tastes best. (laughs) My wife makes the best chocolate chip cookies I have ever had. And I have the power to force her to make them. I do. I can guilt trip her into it. I've done it successfully. I can pester her into it. She's nodding. I love her. I love her so. Yep, you do that too, Steve. I could probably shame her into it. Do you know how long it's been? Kay makes cookies for her husband. She's still nodding over there. I got to quit looking at her. Let me say this. Here it is. Ready? The best chocolate chip cookies that I get from Laurel are the ones made in gratitude. They are. I fix her car. She surprises me with chocolate chip cookies. I repair an antique wheelbarrow that's outside, get some new barn wood for that thing. She makes cookies. I find something at the store she's looking for. I peel the Dollar General tag off of it. She makes cookies. Chocolate chip cookies made with gratitude. They're the best there are because gratitude is a beautiful choice. In the middle of verse 14, Joshua said, serve him with faithfulness. And he's talking about a heart of gratitude. How do you know that, Pastor Steve? Because he just spent a dozen verses telling you all the things you should be grateful for. So respond and choose with gratitude. That's what he wants them to do. What's the next leg of your journey going to look like? I want mine to be one where I'm living with gratitude. And I want to make my choice with a commitment to journey well. As you look at verse 14, Joshua says this. In the middle of verse 14, it says, Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River in in Egypt and serve the Lord. Some of you may remember I, uh, I lost my key fob. Do you remember that? I lost my key fob. I'm walking around church. What are you looking for, Pastor? See, I'm looking for my key fob. It's a key fob for my Santa Fe. I don't know where I put it, and that was a costly mistake. Anyone know how costly that mistake is? 100, 200, 300, 400, 
$500, and I have an insider there at the dealership, and it was still $500 to replace a key fob. Man, I remember you used to get a key made for 39 cents, right? Wow, wow. I figured I probably just misplaced it. And when I heard that it was $500, I thought I'm going to look diligently for it. And I did. I spent about a week looking for that thing. And finally, I said, I'm just going to have to buy another. By the way, I am a Scotsman. Do you know what that means? You think you know how to get a deal? You should watch me. I paid $180. And for $70, I'll tell you where I got it. <laughs> I thought I'd misplaced it. I realized I'm not finding it. So a week later, I... I got a replacement. I'll probably find it anyway. And the guy who made it said, hey, if you ever find your old one, bring it over. I'll program it. I said, cool. It's been four months. I still haven't found it. I have a theory. When you come into the garage in our house and then you walk up on the landing to go into the house, there's a chair that sometimes I sit in. And I don't know if you know about these dress pants, man. The guy who made blue jeans was a genius because I can hang upside down in my blue jeans. Nothing falls out of my pocket. If I skip down these steps, my pockets are going to go all over the place. So I thought my key fob it was loose because I had loaned my car to someone who had helped me out with my car, actually. So it was loose, and it must have fallen out of that pocket. And I took that place apart. Right here is where all my shoes are, and right next to that is this big, round garbage can. And here's my theory. I think that key fob by its own volition, jumped out of my pocket and skipped across my shoes right into there. And from there, it went down to the end of my driveway in that basket. And from there, it got into the back of a big truck. And from there, it went to a landfill. And from there, it went inside the landfill. And then it got covered up inside the landfill. I threw it away, this is my theory, without meaning to. And it is never coming back. That, for me, is a picture of what Joshua means when he says, throw away the gods that your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Get rid of whatever it is that distracts your heart from God. Throw it away. Get rid of it forever. As soon as I say that, <laughs> because I know humankind, because I am one of you, as soon as I say that, I know, I know the response is, Pastor Steve, I have thrown it away, and it keeps coming back. It's like that cat in the kid's song. It's twice in a sermon, buddy. Hang on. The cat came back the very next day. You know that song? Yeah. That's the way the bad things in your life are. Cat lovers, I want you to notice, I just equated cats coming back with bad sins coming back. Just be aware of that. Got an amen right there. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Brett. Forgive me, cat lovers. Pay attention to to the illustration. Some of you are saying, I've done that, Pastor Steve. I've made a commitment to journey well, but I keep going back to where I don't belong. And I just can't, I can't make that commitment or keep it, and I've given up. Oh, please don't give up. Please don't give up. Think of it this way. Commitment to walking the journey well is not a matter of being perfect. It is a matter of consistently getting back on the horse when you've fallen off. Fourth grade, dad bought me a pony, 50 bucks. Brought it home in the back of the pickup truck. Helped that pony out of that pickup truck. I can't remember how that happened, but that must have been fun. Right there on the the gravel driveway, there it was, and he led it over to the grass right beside the pickup truck. 
And he put a saddle on and said, get on that, buddy. And I crawled up on that pony and right now, bam, I'm down on that grass. Just like that. You think Benny Hinn can do it. You should have seen my pony. Right? Wow. What do you think my dad said? Oh, Steve, that must have hurt, buddy. Why don't you go in the house and see if mom can help you? Wrong. (laughs) He said what every dad says. Get back on there right now. I mean, it wasn't even an option. Get back on there right now. That's what I'm saying to you. Commitment to walking the journey isn't a matter of being perfect. It is a matter of consistently getting back on the horse when you have fallen off. (laughs) Yeah. Walk the journey with commitment. I often think of that pastor and his wife renewing those vows. They might have felt trapped, right? (laughs) How do I say no? (laughs) I ask him. I said, hey, you know what? I thought of this afterward. I hope that was a good experience. Listen to what he said. He said something like this. In our journey as husband and wife, that was exactly what we needed. And we were so blessed to be able to do it. How cool is that, right? How cool is that? He didn't have to say that. They didn't have to choose that. But they chose with a sort of intentional reverence for God, giving him their attention. And they chose, I know, out of a sense of gratitude that was appropriate to God. And they chose with a genuine commitment to God. And only they can make those choices, and only you can make such choices in your life. I can't charm you into it. I can't twist your arm to get you to do it. I can't shame you into it. I can't guilt you into it. I can't back you into a corner to make you do it. I can present you with the truth about God, but you're the one. You're the one who makes the choice. Choose wisely. Choose with gratitude. Choose to commit your heart to him. By the way, this is not in the sermon, but that's because I was writing it late last night, Christmas. Right? I went to bed last night. I'm laying in bed and I said, oh, Steve, you really got to say this. And by some strange miracle, I'm remembering to do that. You can't make the right decisions and the right choices apart from the presence of the Spirit of God in your life. You can't do it. I can't do it. No one can do it. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, That Jesus died to pay for our sins. And when we turn our attention to him and say, I know I've messed up, please forgive me. And we trust that his death on the cross paid it all and we begin to follow after him. Jesus says that his spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, comes and lives inside of you. And when the Holy Spirit is living in you, He gives you the ability to do that which you could never hope to do otherwise. Never in a million years. I know pastors, in fact, I've been one of them who says, I never preach a New Year's sermon. I don't believe in New Year's resolutions. And here's why we said that when we've said that. Because I don't believe you have the strength in and of yourself to get your act together. No one does. But in in Holy Spirit who lives in you, if you're a follower of Christ you find that strength and you find that ability. 
And I want to pray with you that you would find in the Holy Spirit the ability to journey well in 2022, making the right choices. Would you stand with me as we pray? It's such a privilege, isn't it? To stand together and be able to talk to God. How could we be so blessed to do that? Let's talk. God, as we stand together here, we recognize that that we are responsible for the choices we make and we want to journey well. And when we look back at 2021 and 2020, maybe back the past 50 years, there are a lot of things that weren't going our way, but we can see that you were there and you walked with us in all of that. From Ur of the Chaldees right up to Kadesh Barnea, right up to this very moment, you've been there. And we would be crazy, it would be absurd for us not to allow that reality to inform the decisions we will make in a time that is ahead. And so at this moment, at this moment, we choose to reverence you and give you our attention. And we will interact with you, not from a heart of guilt or a heart of shame or a heart of duty, but one of gratitude because we're so glad for your grace that you showed us, particularly on the cross, but every at every milestone on our journey. We can find grace and mercy. So we choose to commit our heart to you out of gratitude. May our decisions in 2022 be informed by your gracious mercy in the past and be empowered by your Holy Spirit who lives in the heart of all those who believe. In Christ's name, amen.